I'm ready to live, enjoy my kids, experiencing things that I never have did. That's why I grind for my kids and my wife. Need stability, but for my time to go fly. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to our podcast, Same Ish, Different Dad, where we talk dad shit and what the world looks like from the dad lens. As always, I am joined by my co-host, the OG DB, Daniel Ball. What up, what up? There he is. So this week, we are joined by local 92.9 ESPN radio host, but most importantly, fellow father, John Martin. John, what's good? What's up, boys? Man, we're just appreciative that you would come and take some time with us to talk about some dad shit, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, I, uh, you know, I, I always enjoy, uh, you know, I don't get to do it a whole lot. I always kind of feel, you know, a little self-conscious, uh, you know, when I'm talking about it on the show. So I, I try not to do it too much, um, you know, for, for whatever reason. But, yeah, I'm always glad to talk about it for sure. Absolutely. Well, here, that's all we're going to talk about. And first things first, John, you guys just celebrated – your daughter's first birthday tell us about that what'd you guys do but more importantly what'd you get her john uh you know what man i uh i asked my wife i said are we gonna get her you know presents are we gonna let everybody else get her presents uh i don't really i mean we we put together this big you know alice in wonderland theme party and 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 my wife and all of her sisters you know really did it up with the cookies and the decorations and the you know we had like uh, photo stuff set up and everything of course like she's one years old she doesn't have any idea what any of this stuff is um uh, so I, I don't i don't think we really did anything in terms of of presents like you know some family bought her you know like stuff you buy one-year-olds like little playstations and books and uh and everything like that i think i think you know we just kind of focused on making sure uh she had a you know nice theme party and all the decorations were up to snuff so you know, I think I, I think I got away with a year of no presence. That probably ends next year. That's it. That's it, John. It'll never happen again. So let me yeah. tell you, man, my oldest is about to be 16. Talk about him a lot. But his first birthday, I was a new dad. I'm 21, 22, and I'm asking the same questions. We do a huge party. We do it at a – it's in a gym. I mean, like, I'm like, how many friends can he have? He's a year old, buying all these presents. And let me tell you something. He's 16. He don't remember none of that shit. No, he don't remember none of that. The first birthday is for the parents, specifically for the moms, I think, but definitely for the parents. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I was always like I was really I was really like self-conscious about like who to invite quite quite, you know, like because the thing with me was would I want to go to a, you know, a one year old birthday party? You know, would I, is that something I would want to do? Uh, <laughs> and so I was like, very by way, do I, do I invite like my non parent friends? I didn't end up inviting a ton. I think I maybe invited a few, but um, yeah, it was it was definitely a good time for the adults, as it's supposed to be. Absolutely. You know, I, I think that's a great point you brought up. When you start doing kids' birthdays, you, your friend circle might change a little bit when it comes to invites to those things, right? I remember it was like that for us. It's like, do you invite just the parents that also have kids? You invite your right. closest friends. Obviously, it's family, but it was always a weird dynamic there. DB, how do you guys handle that? Man, so what I do is I just step right out the way and let Michelle just do her thing because she My is man. four for four when it comes to birthdays, man. I mean, I, I think birthday one, John, like we wrapped up an empty box and gave it to her and she was quite content opening this mm -hmm. empty box and playing with paper. So like no gifts is the way to go. Now, you know, after this one, I don't know how how 
far you get get away with not having any gifts but i mean <laughs> you know it, it, it's definitely one of those those easy birthdays where it's definitely for mom and dad and, and the adults in the room Absolutely. yeah I, so- I, and, and look, my daughter is like you know she's she definitely has my personality so she's she's a, a diva for sure uh and, and so there's no question that uh it's going to be it's from here on out it's going to be big time piles you know <laughs> that's just the way it is but I, I know that going in so it won't be a shock to my system absolutely not so you mentioned your personality john tell us for those that don't know that aren't local here tell us about yourself man where you're from what you do that kind of thing yeah i'm from memphis never left uh you know went to white Station high school went to the university of memphis uh first job out of out of out of memphis was at 92.9 and started as a producer for jeff Hawkins. uh and, and you know like it so often does um you know spot came up opportunity opened up and you know they thankfully called on me and i've been doing uh been doing the jason and john show since uh 2016 it's going well uh we're going on six years of this thing um you know so uh i mean i, I that's kind of that's how people obviously you know know me and, and and for the you know for the people that are my are my friends or my families you know the, the host on the show um but yeah, man, I've, I've always been a, a Memphian and, and I've always kind of felt like I can do, you know, whatever I need to do in Memphis, you know, if whatever I want to pursue professionally. Um, I, I've always felt like it's it's here in Memphis. Um, everybody's always like, don't you want to go national? And, you know, if the circumstances were perfect, if the circumstances were like really nice, you know, and and it made sense. Sure. But I also think, you know, there's there's something to be said for, you know, when you when you pursue a national gig in the media, you know, you basically, you know, in Memphis, I can I can bullshit about Devontae Adams and and Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. But, you know, on the national level, like you really have to be experts about all those things. And again, like I watch the NFL, but, you know, I, I don't really like I, am I going to be on NFL live? You know, like, is that going to be? Um, am I, am I well-versed in it like that, you know? So that's just the diff. There's a, there's a, there's an expectation on a national level to be an expert in every single thing, to be an expert in the NFL, to be an expert in the NBA, to be an expert in, in baseball, to be an expert in golf. And like in Memphis, I just got to know about Memphis shit, you know? And I can talk oh, yeah. about at the margins, I can talk about, you know, whatever's going on, uh, you know, in, in the world of sports, but, you know, I can just focus on the Grizzlies, you know, like I can't, you couldn't open a national radio show tomorrow talking about the Grizzlies, even though the game was on ESPN, you know, there was no John Morant. So people uh, don't give a shit, you know, if not, John played, that's one thing. Um, but, you know, true. here in Memphis, that'll be all we talk about tomorrow is the Grizzlies being the net. So it's fun, man. And, and this is a community too, that really, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's me. It's, these are the people that I've always lived with. It's the, it's people I grew up with. It's my friends, it's my family. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm happy to be where I am for sure. Absolutely. You mentioned kind of growing up. I mean, so what was that family dynamic like the area you grew up in well, childhood in general? How did it set you up for kind of the path you, you took? Uh, man, uh, I don't know. I, my, my view of my childhood has, has really changed, uh, as I've, as I've become an adult, um, you know, my, my mom was a single mom. Um, my dad, uh, as, as I think most people know, uh, struggled with, with, uh, with drugs and alcohol. They got divorced when I was six, seven years old. 
And, you know, my mom made a meager salary, had me and my brother and just had no help. Um, and so it was really hard. It was a hard life, I guess. Uh, my mom did the best she could, you know, to make sure like Christmases were, uh, you know, we had presents and, and uh, you know, we had things to open under the tree, you know. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, as an adult now, I see like, you know, it, it was, it was, it was rough. It was rough. Um, there were times where I was like, like if I, if I got sent to school on a, you know, with a $5 bill, right. I was like, it's going to be a great day. You know? Absolutely. Shout out mom. Yeah. And she would do that. Not every day, not, not even twice a week. Right. But, but maybe once a week. Um, and I just, you know, I just, I remember, I remember like $5, like $5 was the, like mark the demarcation of, oh, today's going to be a great day versus, oh, today's kind of going to, kind of going to suck. Um, and, and I don't, you know, look, I don't hold that against my mom because, you know, I, I, what was she, you know, what could she have done? Um, you know, she got, she, she basically raised us on credit card debt. You know, I remember her telling me like two or three years ago that, uh, man, she had finally paid off her, all of her credit card debt. Now we're talking, you know, I'm 25 years old, you know, uh, my brother's 20, 21 years old. Um, so she was $30,000 in the hole just to, just to try to raise us, man. And, and that's, that's a big hole for somebody that, that, you know, is making the money that my mom is making. So man, my childhood, it, it you know, I didn't, you don't, you don't know what you don't know, right. You don't know right. what you don't know. Um, I knew that like, I knew that I was not well off. Like I could, you know, my first car was a, you know, a shit 97 Altima with like a hundred some odd thousand miles. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, and, and also like the way that, um, the way that I knew that like we had problems was that when something went wrong, right. When like, you know, uh, the, the, the AC stopped working or, you know, when the refrigerator was messed up or, um you know if me and my brother were you know horsing around and like we broke my mom's car window one time like when things like that would happen it was like high like unbelievable stress you know it was like tense it was like anxiety it was just like everything was a big fucking deal you know and 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 that's like i contrast that to my life now right where i've you know and 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 again i'm not this is not even me like I'm the furthest thing. Like people have their opinion of me for my radio show. All of that is entertainment. You know what I mean? Like, like what I came from, I, I think like I'm, I'm incredibly grateful and, and, and humbled to have what I have, but like my, my entire HVAC had to be replaced in January, 2021. It was $6,000 this. And I, and I just paid it. Right. My mom had this had happened to me when I was a kid, dude, that I, I don't even know what that would have meant. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, not not having i guess as a as a kid has has really taught me today to appreciate what i have and what i am able to do not just for me but you know for my daughter like you know to to be able to save for her college my mom can do that like we were just trying to get by you know we're just trying to make it to the next month um you know so so going through those things and um and, and experiencing life like that really has helped me appreciate being on what I guess is the, the, you know, the other side of it. 
You know, absolutely. I, a similar story. I think, you know, DB and I can relate growing up, you know, we grew up in North Memphis, Frazier. So similar, yep. similar upbringing. Yep. And it, it kind of same as you, you know, we've both been relatively successful as you, however you say it, right. We're, we're not yep. rich, we're, we're comfortable, whatever it is, but, yep. and now yep. I find myself as a father of, of four is, is I'm trying to, I want my kids to appreciate what they have, but I also don't ever want them to feel, you know, the stuff you're talking about. Right. Yep. But then I'm, I'm kind of balancing the line. It's like, do I yep. make them feel a little bit of pain? Because if they don't, it, kind <laughs> right. of, it molded us into who we are today. Right, John? I mean, right. I, I don't I think know that it would be the who I am if I didn't go through that. No, I think there's something to be said. I think there's something to be said for, you know, you can't, it's hard to, you know, cause if it's all, you know, right. Like if you just know as a kid, Oh, uh, if I, uh, you know, if I have car problems, you know, my dad will fix it. Then yeah. you can't, you really can't, you know, you like, you just don't, that's all, you know, but that's it's, right. it's when, it's when you ha have been on the other side, which is like, I've got car problems and I can't drive for two weeks because like we don't have the money to fix this thing or we're going to have to go ask the neighbor if he'll do it for, you know, and that's going to be a shit job. Um, you know, you can't, you just, you just can't appreciate um, it fully. Right. So I, I do think like you, you want to make sure your kids understand how lucky they are, you know, um, if yeah, they absolutely. are lucky. Right. Cause not, not every, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I was lucky. I don't think my childhood um, I, I was it, was it um, informative? Was it, uh, you know, in some way, uh, you know, fulfilling, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I really don't, but you know, I, I, I do know that it, it really has shown me like how, how, how hard things can be, but also how good things can be. So it, I think it has just my perception, uh, and my perspective is, is definitely influenced every day by you know just just you know i some trauma i think there's some trauma man i think you, you go through a lot of trauma when you live like that and again i don't I, it's not like it's anybody's fault you know it's just what you're born into um yeah. and, you don't get and, to pick it yeah and and your parents don't you know like i i know if my mom had a had a choice would she snap her fingers and 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 make one hundred fifty thousand dollars you know, working for morgan stanley of course you know but yeah, that's wouldn't we all that's not yeah that's not that was not her life. You know, she didn't have a college education. She unfortunately married a man and had kids with a man who had real demons and, and, and just could not overcome them. Um, but, you know, she always tried to, and she did, she always kept the roof over our head and she always, um, you know, made sure that, that, that we did not as much as we could go without. Um, and there were moments where, you know, I remember her coming to me one day and saying, um, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about, uh, you know, we, we may have to move in uh, across the street with a neighbor uh, because my mom thought she was going to lose the house because I, I, I mean, I can't remember exactly what the circumstances were. She was like, you're going to live in his garage. We're going to turn it out. It's going to be great. You know, and, you know, that's, mm. that's a that's an awful thing. That's just a, at the time. It's like, all right, whatever. I mean, that feels fine. At least I'll have my own room. But, you know, that's just stuff that I can't even imagine as a father now going to my family and saying like, hey, we're probably going to lose. Like, that's just, it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely horrible. But no, absolutely. And, and my mom is, is, is doing great now. And obviously, uh, you know, we're doing great here. And we have a lovely daughter who is just the blessing of my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that 
my life turned out the way it did because, you know, there's a lot of different ways it can go when you come out of a situation like that. So I'm very, 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 very thankful. Absolutely, man. I've definitely seen the not I don't say a change in front of you, but to see the you know the love you have for your daughter. Obviously, it's it's what you're supposed to do, right? That's what people say. Oh, you're a great dad. And sometimes yep. I get like I'm. I don't know if I'm great. I'm just here, right? I'm just present. Yep. But a lot of times that's it. But you know, you've been great. But I want to go back to something you said. You you talked about going to White Station, and I got to ask this question. I ask it all the time. All the people that I know that go to White Station, they're like like a cult man they're like extremely loyal to that school man and i gotta know like what are they teaching y'all over there to make y'all like that man white station was dope though man it was like it was just like for me it was the, the cool part about white station man was that it was just a total memphis experience like you had white people you had black people you had everything in between you had funny people you had weird people you just had such a diverse melting pot of people man that just made every day like every day was fun every every day at white like you might have you know you might have somebody getting into a fight in the hallway the basketball team was awesome like it was just you know when I, when I went there man and I you know I want to go back like it's so different now but you know I think a lot about those days and, and like I'm not the guy that like oh I miss high school so much because I wasn't really I didn't have a ton of friends like I, I kind of, I was in standard, so <laughs> you know no. that's a whole different. Whole There's different two different white stations. There's no question about it, brother, and that's and that's so true. Um, but man, you know, every day was just it was just a trip. Every day was classic, and uh, yeah, man, it you know it's just and I'm sure every high school is like that on some level, but I don't know. It, don't it was know, just man. something different about White Station. They had they had it all, man. It was a movie yeah me and db went to bolton high school man and we i don't think we don't have that kind of loyalty to our high school man y'all are different animal over there because you got because there's like you got athletic programs like you got like you got cedric wilson playing for the miami dolphins right you got you know you had back in the day you had um you know joe jackson you had uh you know ernest Shelton back in the day i mean you had so many so many different Dane Bradshaw. I mean, you just had dudes coming out. Hey, that, I was about to rep. say, you didn't mention uh, Dane. Is that because he went to man. Tennessee, man? No, nah, no, nah, I like Dane a lot. Dane's my guy for sure. Dane is my guy for sure. I mean, I actually like Tennessee a lot this year. I I, uh, I watched them quite a bit. And uh, just I know Rick Barnes' track record is what it is. But, man, that was just such a disappointing way to bow out. I got to tell you. Uh, we're used to it, man. I, 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 ain't I ain't going to sugarcoat this. Fuck Rick Barnes and fuck Dane Bradshaw. Oh my goodness fuck both of them. gracious! I guess Listen, we, you're never gonna have Dane on the show now. No, no, no I'll take nope. I'll kick DB's ass off. I'll have the real DB Dane Bradshaw uh, on here. Uh, I'll take the to. night off, man. Listen, listen, but I want to go. So go graduate from White Station. You go on to the University of Memphis. And obviously, given the stories you just told about your childhood, I can imagine that there were times where you didn't really think that college was the route for you. But you get there, you graduate. Talk about not only getting there, graduating, but also that experience in your college years. Well, what's crazy is that uh, one of the things that my mom absolutely did, like, make sure she like hammered home was like, you got to go to college. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. And, you know, it was just like, always. it was never, I never had a, you know, I, I think a lot of parents probably would not have done that if they were in the exact same situation. But my mom definitely realized how important it was for me to go get a, a you know, a four-year degree. Uh, and so, you know, she was always very, very adamant. Like if I brought home bad grades, 
Uh, and I wasn't the best student, but you know, like she definitely, I, like I could not come home with D's and shit. Like, I, like there was just no way I could do that. It was going to be a problem. Um, and so my mom was really, <clears throat> you know, really adamant about me going to school. And, you know, I remember the day I got my ACT score, um, you know, she came in there like 530 in the morning screaming because it represented me getting the Hope Scholarship. And be oh, wow. because of because of um, because of our financial situation, combining the Hope Scholarship with Pell Grants that we got, I was able to go to college for nothing. Right. And I think I ended up making money, uh, at least for the first few years. So, yeah, I mean, it was always a thing where I had to go. And, um, and I always knew what I wanted to do. Like I went to, I had a mission. I was on a mission at MIPS. I was like, I'm going to be a journalist. I'm going to be not a radio guy. That was not, that was not sort of my uh, intention, which is just kind of a funny aside, but I was like, I'm going to be a sports writer. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And uh, I was just locked in, man. I didn't, I didn't. And Memphis is a, is a school where you can do that. Right. Memphis is a school where it's not a, it's not a place where you're on campus fucking around late at night, you know, like I went to school and I went home, you know, like that's like, which is what 95% of the students that go to Memphis do. Some live near campus, I guess. Um, but most of the, most people that I knew when they went to Memphis showed up for their classes and just went home. And that was me and, uh, got to school there. And, and, uh, man, I, I don't remember a, a ton about like the early years at Memphis. I mean, I just, I just remember really wanting to write for the school newspaper there and who I, who do I need to talk to? I need to know who I need to, you know, focused on that. Um, got on there pretty quickly. Um, and that's, it, it all happened pretty fast in the grand scheme of things. Um, but, but yeah, my time at Memphis was definitely a, uh, it was definitely a positive, but you know, I always tell people it's not about, it's not about school, man. It ain't, it ain't got nothing to do with that. It's, it's, it's how do you maximize your, your connections there? Um, you know, the, the, the time when you're young, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really use a, like, how do you use a journalism degree? You just, you go out and you do the shit, you know, I I didn't, I didn't take a single broadcast class, you know, and I'm a fucking radio host. There you You go. So like, that's like, like, like not a single, I didn't read a single fucking word from a book about how to be a radio host, how to be a broadcaster. I didn't, I just didn't, um, you know, life is about doing. It's not about reading. It's not about taking tests. It's about getting out there and doing um, and, and, and fucking the rest. So that's kind of that's kind of how I was at school uh, at Memphis. It was, you know, I, I didn't really take class seriously. Um, I was just focused on getting out and and practicing and doing doing the things that, you know, because I was working at the Commercial Appeal uh, as a junior at Memphis. Like I remember coming to class and being like, why am I here? <laughs> like what? I mean, I don't I'm, need I'm, this shit. Well, yeah, like yeah. not to be arrogant. And I was, I was like a little shithead, but you know, wh- why, why am I here when I'm already a professional basically, you know, it's like, why, why is a college basketball player in college when he's getting an NBA paycheck? And it wasn't quite, I mean, it's obviously it's not even close to the same thing, but that's how I felt. I was like, I'm, I'm a professional journalist. Like my shit gets published not by the school newspaper, not by the daily helmsman, but by the commercial appeal. I had I had bylines in the Philadelphia Inquirer. I had bylines all over the country. I had done some stuff for Fox Sports. I had done some stuff, um, you know, for for uh, you know the, uh, the New Orleans Times Picayune. I had done stuff. You just name it. I had done something for it. So I was just like, why am I here? But you know, in the end, that's part of it. You got to do it. You got to get your degree. And I did it. And um, 
yeah, my, my time at Memphis, I, I certainly, I mean, I, I never even visited another college. I never even thought about going anywhere else. So, um, yeah, it, it was definitely a positive time for sure. Do you, John, John, do you think that graduating college was more of, you know, an accolade, you know, that, that your mom is proud of or being able to have a professional career? Yeah, I, I don't think you have to. Um, I don't think you have to go to college anymore to uh, I mean, I think there are probably certain industries where like you're not going to just you're not going to be a software engineer without a college degree. Right. I mean, you're not going to be a um, you know, it's probably gonna be hard to get a job in tech or something along those lines without a college degree. But I mean, with everything, with all the opportunities that are out there in 2022, I mean, I think there's a reasonable chance that, I mean, I, you know, this, this might be, you know, controversial. I think college either becomes deprioritized or it becomes free. Like, I think it's sort of one or the other in our society in the next, you know, 15, 20 years. Cause I don't, I don't think it can keep, keep going at this rate where you're talking about all these, you know, people can't afford this shit, man. What are you talking about? You know, it's well, crazy. It quicker, man. I got four kids, man. I got a 16 year old. You think they could get it in the next five years to be free? Yeah, I mean, y'all gonna have to y'all gonna have to vote in some Democrats. I mean, that's yeah, gonna have that's, whatever it takes. That's gonna have to be the sacrifice you have to make, man. Well, I'm willing <laughs> to do it, man. I'm willing to do it. So I mean, yeah, John, like, I, it, it's just like as as a dad, you know, obviously that bridge you're gonna have to cross at some point. But like, you're right. Like, it's a tricky like conversation, you know. And I think Randy's gonna get there a lot quicker than we will, but. Like, what do you say to your kid? Like, are, are we pushing college? Are we not? Like, what, not. What are, what are we doing? Like, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I haven't even obviously thought about that, um, really. But, I, you know, I'm saving for her college. Or, or maybe I'm, I'm saying it's college, right? Like, I'm saying, all right, this is her college fund. But it could be her anything fun, you know. It could be whatever it is, yeah, you know. Payment on a house. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But but I, I you know I, my wife and I I mean we both you know she's a teacher so she's big on education so I'm assuming we will probably uh we will probably emphasize it you know but again what's the world gonna look like and you know I, I I don't even think we'll start having that conversation about college until what realistically twelve thirteen I mean that's yeah. I mean, that probably is about because that's when you start thinking about like, um, you know, uh, I don't even know. Do you go on like uh, visits and shit? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I a did. little later. Yeah. So my son will be 16. So he'll, he's a, he'll be a sophomore this upcoming year. And we've had that conversation. And to DB's point, do we push it? I'm not pushing it. Am I am I telling him I would rather him go to college? I think it'll set you up. It'll give you more opportunity. Yes. Uh, but am I saying that there are, there are paths you can take, including myself? I did not graduate from college and I've turned out pretty well, but that's not necessarily the norm, you know, DB an educator like your wife. So he big on education, his wife yep. is in the healthcare industry. So obviously big on education. And that's, that was their path. That was not mine, but I don't want my kids any of the four of them to look at me and be like, well, you didn't go to college and look at us. We're doing just fine. That ain't the norm, man. You got to sling. No, never mind. We're not going to talk about that. I can't incriminate myself here, but 
that's it's a great conversation to have. But I think to to your point, John, I don't think it's something that it's just you go to your 12 years of grade school and then you go to college and then all of a sudden you get out with, you know, I have a friend of mine that graduated with a theater degree. Well, what the fuck do you do with a theater degree? You're not going to, you're not going to Hollywood to act. And you know what he did? He sold mechanical equipment. That's what he did. Same shit that I do. So I don't know to me, having a piece of paper that says I graduated from a four year degree and something that you have, you're not doing at all. You know, you you're saying it's journalism and you're doing sports radio. I understand it's not the same thing, but it's very closely related. You're still talking sports, still doing your thing. But I don't know, man, DB. That's a conversation you got some time for too. But I know, but I, I got to start. I got to start planning that money part now. Oh, especially where you live, man, Florida. It's all good. Look, I here in Tennessee, community college is free. That's what I'm pushing. You go to two years. Let me see your commitment. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, like trial trial basis. There you go, man. So you mentioned that you you started working locally in radio on ESPN, uh, producing for Jeff Calkins, by the way, who was a former guest on the show just a few weeks ago. Um, and then you got really quickly, your rise to, you know, being a midday host happened pretty quick, as you mentioned. But I mean, you said that this was never really the path that you chose, but did you ever, at what point did you kind of realize like, this could really be a career for me? I can make a living doing radio hosting. Um, I, um, I was at uh, the CA as the recruiting reporter for uh, about, about, I don't know, a year or so, year and a half. And Jeff was not doing radio at the time. And Jeff helped me get the job at the CA. Um, and we had always talked about, he, he was always saying like 92.9 wanted him to come do a radio show, right? Like 92.9 kept approaching him about doing a radio show. And he was kind of like, you know, he's kind of uh, iffy about it, but he always would say, I want, if I'm going to do it, I would want you to be my co-host. And I was like, absolutely, would love that. That sounds like so much fun. Um, and that was the first time, like I had done, um, I, I used to go, like uh, I, I, I went on weekly with Gary, right? Like Gary would have me on weekly, Gary Parrish, and, yeah. and just talk about Memphis basketball and Memphis basketball recruiting. And that was my first exposure to 92.9. And, and so I had, I, I had done that, right? I had done that for probably a year or so. Uh, and then, you know, Jeff was always talking about like, yeah, hey, if we do this, like, you know, I would want you to be my co-host. Well, <clears throat> they start having real negotiations and, um, and, and, and Jeff, Jeff said, I want John Martin to be my co-host. And they go, who's John Martin? They had no idea who I was. I was, you know, I was, I was nobody, right? I was 22 years old. I was just, I don't, I hadn't even graduated college yet. And they were very, they were very hesitant to just make me, make me and pay me like a co-host. So, what ended up happening was they said, all right, we'll, we'll meet you in the middle. He can be your producer. Um, he can be your talking producer. Well, the problem with that is they pay you like a producer, <laughs> but that, that, that's neither here nor there. Um, and, and so um, once I started doing that, you know, there's a lot more revenue opportunities in radio because you have advertising, you have back in the day, we had watch parties that we would do for Monday football, other things. Uh, you know, remote set, you know, again, these are all things that don't happen anymore post COVID, but, you know, I just remember the, I remember like just hearing from others, like, Oh, you can make this, you can do this. And I was comparing that to what I was getting from the CA and what I knew, you know, newspapers were paying. I was like, Oh, this is, this is awful. I can't live like this. Um, <laughs> and so that's kind of when I, um, that's when I started sort of thinking about, 
doing it full time, um, you know, and, and, and focusing more on that. And in 2014, um, the CA, the CA ended up basically cutting my pay. I was a freelancer. They ended up cutting, but I, I had a contract. They cut my pay. And I started looking around the country about them for other jobs. I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to do this shit. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, work, do the same job for less money. So I started looking around and I found a job in Jackson, Mississippi at the Clarion Ledger doing the same thing. But it, the problem was, is that it was in Jackson, Mississippi, you know, and I don't know if you guys have ever been in Jackson, Mississippi, but it's awful. Yeah, it's it, terrible. It's, it's horrible. And, um, you know, I went down there and I gave the guy the, you know, the, the time of day they offered me the job and i told jeff i said i got this offer and and uh i'm thinking about going and he said well let me go back to 92.9 and tell them and hopefully they'll keep you right and they did they ended up keeping me making me a full i was not full-time as a producer they made me full-time they gave me benefits all that stuff so it was a no-brainer two years after that um and, and I was not only producing Jeff, but he would be gone a lot of the year. So I would fill in as a host. So I was getting experience that way. Um, long story short, and I'm sort of, I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm really long-winded here. Uh, Vernon leaves. They needed somebody to, to fill that spot um, at the recommendation of several people in the building. I was part of those discussions. Then they went out and got me a co-host and Jason, because I think for a variety of reasons, they, would, they, would, they wanted some diversity. Um, and they knew they couldn't just give me the show at, at, at the age of 24, 25 uh, and, 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 and let me do it by myself. And, uh, and the rest is history. We've been doing it for six years. Uh, ratings have been, have been good. Times have been good. Um, you know, we've, we've got some very loyal advertisers, all the stuff that you have to have to be successful in radio. Um, and so now we're entering an era of, of John Morant where it feels like, you know, we could be on a, a magical run, you know, of Memphis sports the next eight to 10 years. So um, it's, it's worked out pretty beautifully, man. I gotta say. Yeah, man. It, it all starts with getting that foundation, getting that job, but obviously being a dad also takes a great partner. I think we could all agree on that. You know, our wives are obviously our better halves and definitely probably bring out the best in us, but you know, we got to talk about your wife. Like, how did you guys meet? How, how did the, the situation come to be? Where Was it a, a, a quick talk and you're like, we're going to have kids, boom, after marriage, boom, right into kids? Or was it this long, drawn out thing where, you know, you, you enjoyed being married for a little bit and then you decided, you know, let's take this a step further? Yeah, we, uh, we met officially uh, like the week, the week that uh, I started at Memphis. I was having a house party at one of my friend's houses by the campus and I think I had like always, I think we maybe had some mutual friends and I was just basically messaging everybody that I knew on Facebook. That's what you did. Like, come out, let's party. Let's, you know, whatever. Um, and she ended up showing up. And uh, I just remember when, I, like, I just remember when she pulled up, uh, she asked me if we, if we had any vodka or something. I, she asked me if we had something, some, some ridiculous. And, uh, and I was like, no, we don't have that. And we ended up finishing the night at Perkins and uh and then like we started dating immediately after that <laughs> that was like my freshman like my first week of of uh of, of freshman year at memphis um and as it relates to the kid thing man you know i think yeah we i think we pretty much were always on the same page that we wanted to have a family um you know how many kids that ends up being remains to be seen 
Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was always one of those deals where we got married in 2017 and, you know, we bought a house and, you know, then we bought another house. So it was always, you know, pretty focused and we were very, obviously you're, you're always lucky when you, when you try and when you're able to do it as quick as quick as quick as he did. Um, but yeah, it was always pretty straightforward. You know, I, I think, you know, we, we probably, uh, we started trying last summer and Riley was born or excuse me, two summers ago and Riley was born in March, 2021. So it all happened pretty fast, man. Man, I, I, I can imagine, man, like that whole process through COVID and like yeah. having to deal with all that, dude, like, you know, I, I, you hear the stories, you know, people, you know, you know how it went down, but like being personally like in that, like I, my hat's off to you because I know that it was, yeah, it was, was weird. Easy. It was weird. It was scary. You know, it's always, it's, I mean, that time just was, was, was rough, you know, anyway. Right. Like just cause everybody's like worried about their job. Everybody's worried about sick, getting sick. Like it was just a crazy time. And that's why like, I, you know, we didn't even have, we didn't even start having that conversation seriously until probably May or June, 2020 when, we certainly weren't coming out of, we weren't, we weren't done with COVID by any stretch of the imagination, but it kind of felt like, I don't know, like at least in Memphis, you know, in the South, people were kind of moving on <laughs> a little bit. Um, and, and it became pretty obvious that, you know, I wasn't going to get laid off 92.9. So, you know, that's, that's when we felt like, all right, we can, we can try to go ahead and, uh, you know, move forward with this thing. And uh, like I said, it, you know, it, 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 uh, it took pretty quick and uh, yeah. by August she was pregnant. And oh, John, you, you talk about the people in the South moving on quick DB lives in Florida, man. They never even stopped. <laughs> oh yeah. No, never, <laughs> yeah, no question. They said they didn't even know what it was. Still, they still, still don't they still, believe it. Exactly. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. So man, you know, your wife tells you she's pregnant and obviously there's probably a lot of like, you know, excitement, but like, was there any like unexpected things that came, came with that? Was there fear? Was there anxiety or was it always like, man, I, I, I'm pumped. I can't wait for the day that my daughter's born. Yeah. I mean, I, I, no, nah, I, it was a pretty uneventful pregnancy, you know, uh, thank God, you know, uh, I remember, she she had like these uh little like paper strips and uh and she comes in there one day and she just says i think i see a line i'm like what and she's like i think i see a line and i'm like putting it as like i'm, I'm putting it up as close to my eyeball like you know as you can i'm like i guess it's my wife's piss you know uh like inches away from my eyelid but you know then you, then of course you go to uh you know walgreens and you get the you know the, the real one and then that one oh my god there's a line and uh man that was a that was a that was an awesome moment um no i i i don't i don't think i was ever really scared um you know i remember you know the week she was born covid was was awful for a variety of reasons but i think one thing that did come out of it that was really nice was you know if it were other, any other time, you would just get bombarded with family, right? And friends just coming to see you all the time. And they're nice to do that, right? I get why they do that. They're, just, they're trying to help. But COVID is like, they wouldn't let anybody come in. You know, it was just you and, and your wife. 
and the baby. Like you could not have visitors. And I loved that, you know, because I got to sleep and I got to just focus on, you know, my, my baby and my wife and, and I wasn't having to entertain and host, you know, my mom and her mom and everybody in between. So, you know, that is the one thing that is the one thing about COVID. I think that was nice is that uh, you just have that, you just have that moment of, of just solitude before, you know, you're, you're let out into the world. Yeah. I, you know, I, I try to explain the feeling like the first time you see your kid, you know, to, to others, but really there are no words. I mean, like it's an emotion, it's overwhelming, but it's really like, it's really hard for me to like put into words that particular moment, other than it being like one of the two greatest moments in my life. I mean, I don't know about you. Uh, was it similar for you or was there, you know, like a story, like what, What's going on the minute you get to, to see your daughter for the first time? Um, <laughs> or or you you they they fanning you because you passed out? No 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 no. I definitely did not pass out. I mean, of course, your adrenaline is just going crazy, you know. Um, because you're just you know the, the doctors come in there and there's there's three doctors. Well, there's one doctor and then there's you know the two nurses and then you know the whole thing is happening. But my my wife, it, well, the, the whole thing was funny because I uh, I had a uh, a diaper I had a diaper party with all my buddies, my closest friends, on March uh, March fifteenth. It was a Sunday, and I knew I was just gonna get like I knew I was gonna get hammered. I just did, and so I took that Monday off from work, which was March sixteenth. Cause I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to worry about it. I don't want to have to come in hung over with a headache. Like I don't want to have to do that. So I took the day off and that morning, um, my wife comes in there and I think it was her spring break. My wife comes in there and she's telling me, you know, something feels off. Something feels not right. So, uh, our daughter was due April the 8th. Right. So we're still two or three weeks out. Um, so she, so she's like, something doesn't feel right. I'm calling the doctor. Doctor, of course, tells him, come in, you know, because, you know, we need to take a look at you. Yada, yada, yada. And then the, the one the one shitty thing about COVID is that I could not go back there. I could not go back to her uh, OBGYN appointment. Um, so I had to wait outside in the waiting room. And she calls me 20, 30 minutes later and she says, we have to go to the hospital. Today's the day. Uh, basically my water has broken and I'm like freaking like the, you know, we don't have anything fucking packed. We don't have the room ready. We don't, I mean, it's a disaster, you know, like it's, I mean, we're still again, two, three weeks away, you know? So Sam is just like freaking out. She's crying. She's because she knows all this stuff. So we have to call our sisters, tell them, tell them the deal. They rush over. They help us pack. They help get the room ready. Then we go to the hospital. And as you guys know, it's a long process, you know, dilation. Uh, they come in, they give her the whatever the hell they give her every few hours. They check on her. They measure every few hours. And so we probably get there around 12 or 1 o'clock p.m. Um, and it starts getting probably real around 9 uh, p.m. Um, 
And, you know, it's just kind of, I, I think that what I remember the most <laughs> that she's like, she would kill me. But like, she started, she started howling, man. She started howling, like, Aroo! like that was her, that was her, uh, you know, cause she didn't have an epidural. They couldn't give her an epidural in time for whatever reason. And so she was just howling, bro. Man, she pushed that, that baby out, no epidural. It was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Um, but, but yeah, that's what I remember of that day is just, it wasn't supposed to be that day. The howling, full moon, 316, it all came together. Well, John, let me, what if I told you that my current wife chose not to have an epidural with either of my younger children? I, I think a lot of things she's crazy for one, marrying me, but for two, two times. She yeah. chose to have no epidural. So That's when people savage. say, are That's you savage. scared of your wife? I'm like, yes. Oh, yes, sure. I am. Yeah. Now, my wife did request one. Um, she she requested one in the end, but but the baby came before the epidural. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, it, it, yeah. My wife chose not to two, two, twice. So you figure like, yeah. OK, first time. OK, that's crazy. I'm not doing that again. Uh, my first wife also, she didn't, she's like your wife. She wanted the epidural, but it happened too fast. So there was no epidural with the first one. So when we went in with our second one, as soon as we got there that day, she said, Hey, I, you know, it happens fast. It happened fast. The first time I want an epidural right now. Yeah. I would definitely sleep with one eye open brother. Yeah, I do every night. <laughs> <laughs> so, so John, you and I, man, we, we hold a, we're a part of a club and you, you don't know this, but I'm about to tell you. So we're a part of the, the Lion King daughters club, man. Cause I, I saw you, I saw you on TV with your daughter, man, holding her up, man. They were playing circle of life and you, you, you was living your best life. And so was she, but, um, I was lucky enough. Tigers came down for one of those Thanksgiving basketball, you know, tournaments down at the wide world of sports one year. And my daughter was like, I mean, 18 months. And I, I was yeah. like, man, we're going to go to our first Tiger game. This is going to be lit. We're going to get up in there. We're going to do things. So, I mean, there it's like a field house and like it's easy to get seats. Tickets are right there behind the bench. So we're sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, they start playing Lion King song. And like without a beat, you know, I just boom, grab her and I lift her straight in the air and everybody's going crazy. And it's, it's a good moment for me, but I never got on TV for it. So you you win the best of the Lion King Daughters Club, <laughs> man. But. Dude, that was nuts. That was like, that was just like the perfect, that was like the perfect day, man, because Memphis kicked the shit out of Houston. I was uh, there. It was, it was my daughter's first game um, of, I think, anything, her first sporting event. And uh, and we got on TV, we got on national television, and it's now uh, it's now my profile picture on Twitter. It's one of my favorite pictures ever because because she's just she has no idea what is going on. She's like he keeps he keeps raising me in the air, and they're like her shirts she's flashing America. Basically, we have the the Reese's Pieces logo in the damn thing. Uh, it, it's 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 just like it's just my it might be my favorite picture ever. Um, and 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 the funny piece was that. Um, that was at the end of the bit the horn had sounded and i was like fuck we're not gonna get on we're just not gonna get on because the segment's about to end i don't know how they missed us my, my daughter's got on some tiger socks like how could they not find us um but but i i bring her down and this 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 voice from god it must have been 
he yelled at me. He said, hold her up one more time. I was like, well, I can't let the people down. I got to hold her up one more time. So I, I throw her up one more time and boom, like clockwork, the, the, uh, the, the camera finds us. And, and it was at the perfect time because the broadcast happened to be coming back from commercial. So they just boom, show us on TV. It just could not have worked out more perfect. And uh, yeah, that was a, uh, that was an awesome, that was like, I was buzzing about that just all day. Just the fact that this, this girl goes to her first Memphis game. They beat the shit out of Houston. She gets on the, on the camera and she gets on national television. Like how, how charmed can you possibly be? This is a good luck charm for you. That's man. a solid day, man. That was, I mean, to be honest, like that was the day where I was like, dude, I'm such a dad right now. Like I, like I got this. So Absolutely. man, what, what is, what was, was that the moment or what was the moment where you're like, dude, I'm a fucking dad. Like shit, this is real. Yeah. That, um, you know, taking my daughter for walks, um, in her stroller, um, you know, seeing, seeing there are certain things certain things out that'll happen that'll just kind of make me like tear up a little bit like my sister-in-law put together a uh like a a a timeline like a reel of you know her pictures from when she was first born to to now and you know it's only been a year and I'm already like choking up you know that's like that's like how I know like oh yeah and then um man last week um my wife was coming down the stairs and she had she had my daughter with her riley and she she i heard like this commotion i just heard like a big thud and then the next thing i hear is oh no or uh oh and i'm in the the, the room and i'm like i'm like it's like fight or fucking flight like i am dead worried about what has just happened my wife lost her footing and she fell off the stairs and my and my kid you know I don't know if she hit her head or whatever, but you know, she's, she's doing that cry where it's like silent. Right. But you know, it's about to be fucking, it's about to get lit. It's, it's about to go. Yeah. It's about to get crazy in this world. Um, and, and, uh, and that's what happened. I think she's probably more scared than anything, but like that feeling that of, of just sheer terror of sheer fear, like I don't even like check on my wife. You know, like it wasn't even about like, honey, are you okay? Yeah, like it was about my kid, you know, and that was like, you know, I, I you know, fatherhood's not always about the, uh, you know, the 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 highlights, bro. You know, uh, it, it's there's a lot of shit in between that, and, uh, and and I was just I was really scared. I was really scared about like my daughter and and was she okay and did she hit her head and does she need to go to the hospital and does she have an indention, you know, all these things. So really that, that was a moment where you're just, you're, you're, I think that, that fatherly fear, you know, and I know moms have it too, but you know, that was the, that was the time I was like, I've, I've never, I've never had to worry about it. Like anything else like that. I've never had to worry about other people, you know, like I've never had to, cause I don't have to take care of other people. I don't, I'm not responsible. I don't have to protect other people. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the moment where I was like, yeah, this is, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the first of many of those 
heart-wrenching moments or those gasps, right? So yep. I, I remember the, with my oldest son, I had one last week. As a matter of fact, my young three-year-old had to get three stitches right in between his eyes. Didn't even cry when they stitched him up. So Oof. he's a lot like his mother, I think, so I'm scared of him too. But my three, my 16-year-old, he was three at the time. We were at a uh, three or four. We are at Kroger, and he was standing up in the cart. And I know everybody's listening. You should never let him stand in the cart. You know, I was fucking 23. I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm pushing him. We're playing. He's laughing, holding on to the side. And I go to, like, grab, stop to grab something. He flips over the front of the cart, hits his head. But, bro, out cold, bro. At, oh, and I'm, no. oh, my God. I've never... I almost just passed out. I didn't know, like, you like, talked about fight or flight. So, obviously, I pick him up, and he immediately comes to, but it was almost like the lights just went off, and I'm like, oh, my God, is he okay? And, like, I'm thinking, like, do I finish shopping here? Of course I don't, right? I leave. I call my my, my wife, his mom, at the time, his mother, telling her what happened. Of course, the first thing, why was he standing in the car? Like, I don't fucking know why he was standing in the car. That's not the point right now. So called my aunt. She's, a, you know, an RN at the time. She's telling me, you know, everybody says don't let them go to sleep. And she's like, well, really, it's not about them going to sleep. It's about whether they can wake up and be, you know, there anyway. So that was the first moment for me. And now, like I brought up the stitches last week because he falls, he's getting stitches. And I reacted a lot less, a lot less panic, right? I think I've been through these battles, these wars. My 13-year-old daughter, she broke her arm a couple of years ago in gymnastics doing a whatever. And I mean, snapped it in half. Didn't even cry either. I think I'm, I think I need to be scared of everybody around here. But man, you go through these moments, man. It's just, it's crazy. You're right. It's that fight or flight, but it's also like you hurt with them, no matter what their injury is or what their heartache is, you're kind of hurting with them and his dad's. And obviously you mentioned it moms too, right? They, they grew this child. So they have a connection that we will never understand, but it's our job as fathers to protect them and be there for them. So you touched on some really good stuff there, but John, I'm going to ask you, you kind of, you talked about, you know, your, your dad battling the demons. I can sympathize with you there. Won't tell my story here on that, but I got a lot of that too. But was there anybody that you leaned on as you were becoming a father that helped you kind of navigate what that was going to be like? You know, I, I don't know, maybe Jeff, right. Um, you know, Jeff's always been, uh, you know, if, if it, whatever like goes wrong in my life, like whenever I'm having like a personal crisis in my life, like, or I need just some advice on things, um, like I pretty much like lean on him. Um, and I don't, I don't think I ever like, I don't think I ever necessarily asked him for explicit, like how to be a dad advice, you know, um, because oh, yeah. it's one like, I think it's kind of like anything else. Like you just got to go do it. You just got to go be a dad. You got to go you know, raise your, got to raise your kid. Like you can read all the books you want, but until you get in there and until you learn uh, what works, what doesn't, um, and, and how to be a partner, which I'm, I'm still learning every day. Um, you know, you're, you're not going to know, but I, I would probably say just talking to Jeff and, and, um, you know, um, just like anything else, I, you know, I think more so, more so talking to him about, you know, how to, how to, you know, maintain my marriage as well and how to not, um, you know, not lose myself in being a father and not necessarily let that be my only identity. You know, um, I think that's, I think that's so important, you know, for people, um, when they become parents, obviously, yes, you're a parent and you have a child and, and you're responsible for that child. 
but I also think like you, you don't you don't want to lose yourself in your child either, you know, because that, that that's not healthy. Um, you know, you're still a person, you still have interests, and that's okay. That's not that shouldn't be a stigma. That shouldn't be uh, frowned upon, you know. And and um, I think that's kind of the part that I always, you know, I always saw advice on like how to <clears throat> how to still be me, right, and still live my life you know, and not feel like I'm um, not being the best dad that I can be, you know, and that's, that's a transition. And I've, and I, I in, in the first few months, I really struggle with that because the first few months are fucking hell. They're just hell. There's it's no, you, you can't avoid it. You're walking through it, you know, like you're just, that's the way it goes. Like you're, and it might be a little easier the second time around or the third time around, or in your case, the 12th time around, but you're going to go through hell regardless, you know, it's just a matter of how how hard it is for you. Um, and I think the first one's always hard. The first one's just always hard. Um, but you always get through, you know, and and it is true. I always thought people were like, they just said it. Like, like you know, y'all are just saying that it gets easier because you want me to feel better. But it actually does. It does get easier. You know, brick by brick, as Butch would say. I don't know. But 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 it does, it does gradually become easier um and you know through those moments i definitely would always sort of turn to jeff to 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 make sure i wasn't losing my mind you know jeff that was one of the best things i thought jeff said when he was on with us a few weeks ago is the the piece of advice that he gave was about you know continuing your coupleship with your spouse and and you know and obviously i I mean i've been divorced before so i I do emphasize my marriage a lot and that may just be trial and error right you said you got to go out and do it so you learn through mistakes yep. and that's how i've learned being a father am i a, a great father probably not am i even good i don't know but i've learned a lot from the from that first one to you know my 12th one here but yeah man so I, you, you kind of touched on it being yourself but one of the questions we always ask is you know how do you find time because you're your radio you still do some writing you got fatherhood you yep. got a wife how do you find time to still do stuff for yourself and also the coupleship how do you find time to hang out with sam and do your thing yeah, I mean, it's obviously like it's 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 difficult. Um, and I think, you know, uh, you have to have a partner that's understanding. You got to have a partner that's that, that gets it like you're going to have nights where you're like watching basketball games, you know, and you're, you know, like who have, who understands like this is like a very, really, 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 really busy time of year, um, you know, and 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 may, you know, it may mean less uh you know this that or the other um but but you know i think you just got to do the best you can like and you got to try to you know like we went to the memphis game the other you know the houston game you know two weeks ago as a family you know um you just the the you have to just kind of buckle down and do it you know you gotta just say all right today we're gonna do this like on sunday we went for just a walk in the neighborhood, you know, it was nice outside. So we went to the park, Riley went on the swing, you know, you, you just gotta, you gotta, cause it's easy to get, you know, tired. It's easy to get caught up in the A to B, you know? Um, and, and that's, and that's part of it, you know? Um, and just naturally, like you're going to have less bandwidth, you know, that's just, uh-huh. that's just natural between going to work, between, you know, changing diapers and bottle feedings and, and bedtime and bath. I mean, it's just like, it's just natural for that to happen. So it's, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's not easy to plan, you know, but we're going on a trip, uh, you know, in June, we're all going to Mexico as a family. And so, 
you know, you just have to do it. You just got to say, all right, we're doing this and this is when we're doing it and no negotiations, like no ifs, ands, or buts. Because if you don't do that, right, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to no. happen. That's true. But, you know, I, I've, DB and I, we, we do a sports podcast, too, but we don't have to watch as much as you. But at least you get to tell your wife, like, I got to watch all these games for my job, babe. Yeah. I mean, you know, yep. you know, DB and I are just over here watching it for shits and giggles. But well, <laughs> right. last, yeah, last, get, getting, getting side eyed the whole time. Oh, you got to watch right. this for your little bullshit podcast. Sure. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but you kind of, you kind of mentioned it as, but I, I, one question we kind of always end it with John, if you could, if you're talking to a guy that's an expectant father, you can give him one piece of advice. What's that advice going to be? Wow. Um, you know, be a, be a good partner. Um, obviously it's important to, to, to be there for your child and, and, and to, uh, you know, and to provide for your child, but, I think equally as or more important, especially in the early days and the early months and the, in the first year, uh, man, you got to be a great partner. Like you got to be teammate of the fucking year. And I don't think I was, I don't think I was, you know, cause it was a huge adjustment, man. It was a huge, just, just culture shock, you know, uh, for me, you know, because you just, you live a selfish life, right. Before you have kids, you just do everybody that doesn't have kids is a selfish person. That's the nature of it. Right. Um, and then when you have a kid, you don't get to be selfish anymore. You have to be selfless. And I, you know, I think I, I had to learn that, um, the hard way. We had some really, really, really hard conversations. Um, but I think for, for dads, you know, you can't be in your child's life the way you truly want to be unless you're a great partner. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation, because if if your partner does not feel like you're holding up your end of the bargain, then they're going to leave. I mean, that's just the truth. That's the hard truth. Um, Spax, I've seen it myself. Yeah. I mean, it happens. And that's and that's it, it, it just does. And, you know, when that does happen, inevitably, guess what that means? That means less time with your child. You know, it just does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, and that doesn't make, that doesn't make it, that doesn't make it right. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, the, the mom is always right in that situation. Like who knows, like her interpretation of your effort may be totally off base, but you know, if we're talking just in inside the lines, we're being fair, you know, you gotta be a great partner and you gotta make sure your partner knows that you care. And you gotta make sure that, um, they feel like you're putting in, you know, the, the 50%, you know? Uh, and maybe even more. And that that also applies to emotional, too. You know, I mean, moms go through it, man. They go through the ring or not just physically, but also, um, you know, mentally and emotionally. And so you got to make sure they know that they're loved and you got to make sure they know how much you appreciate them and respect them. Um, so my, my advice to expect the fathers is don't get so caught up in your in your child and being a dad and all the cool stuff you may do in 10, 15, 20 years with them. Um really, really make sure that your, 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 your wife, baby mama, whatever knows that you're trying, that you're here to help, that you can wash bottles, that you can, you know, take sleep shifts, things, things like that. Um, Because if you don't, you know, you really do risk that, that resentment and, and um, you know, that, that's not good for anybody. So 
be a good partner, man. Be a great partner. Be a Hall of Fame partner. Be the Kobe to her Shaq. You know, that's what you got to be. Absolutely. John, man, you've been great. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. And the stories were great. And, and thanks, everybody, for joining us again on Same-ish Different Dad Podcast, where each week we're going to tell stories that are real and raw, like what you heard today and what it's like to be a dad in the real world. Our hope is that you'll get something from us and our guest each week, even if it's just a laugh. You can check us out at sameishdifferentdadpodcast.com as well for our latest blog post. Like, do not forget to like and subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, and for you loser Android users, Google Podcast. And we're going to see you all again next week where we have friend and fellow dad Brent Biggs, and we're talking about adoption, this time three adoptions in one. For DB, I'm Randy. We out. I'm ready to live, enjoy my kids, experiencing things that I never have did. That's why I grind for my kids and my wife. I need stability, but for my time to go fly. Ready to work. Ready to work.